between the cherubim shine forth. You dwells between the cherubim shine forth. You dwells between the cherubim shine forth. We ask him, come and help us find this grace and mercy to elevate our conversation tonight. Thank you. We come under the ministering graces, the provisions of heaven, heaven, that which has been given from heaven to help the earth in this day. We want to take portion out of that mercy tonight. Help us find a portion. The mercy of your oracle, of your speaking. The anointed way and method of delivery of your thought. The expression of your heart. The release of your countenance. The shining of your face. To Weaken us, to undo us, to break us. Lord, we want to feast on you, your countenance tonight. Don't hide it away. Don't retreat, but Lord, by mercy, open up. Open up your heart and, and let your spirit flow to us. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. But I yield myself to you, not being worthy to speak and to carry your word, but asking that you will use my vessel, Lord. You will have mercy on us tonight and speak your word to us. Thank you. We come under the hospices of the spirits of revelation, spirit of wisdom, that spirit that captures the depths. Such is the bellies. That which you have to say to us, we ask that you will release it to our hearts. Thank you, our Father. We give all the glory to your name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. 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 Glory to Jesus. Glory to Jesus. Glory to Jesus.
Praise God. Timothy. Praise God. Hallelujah. How many of us are happy to be here today? Are you sure? I just want to check if you are, we are on the same level of enthusiasm and in our hearts, praise God, as I have. Are we as excited as I am? Are you sure? Praise the Lord. Tell, just tell someone that I'm excited. I'm excited. Amen. Thank God for the privilege of um, gathering to hear his word. I, I consider it a great honor every time. Praise God. Um, let's open to 2 Timothy chapter 2. Thank you. This one is making some noise. Eh? Thank you, Jesus. Second yeah. Timothy chapter 2. Um, praise the Lord. Uh, let's read um, from verse, verse 15. It says that study to show, to show thyself approved unto God, right? 
a workman that needed needeth a workman that needeth not to be ashamed rightly dividing the word of truth praise god but shun profane and vain babblings for they will increase unto more ungodliness and their word will eat as doth a canker of whom is Emmanuel and Philetus, who concerning the truth have erred, saying that the resurrection is past already and overthrow what the fate of some. But nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having the seal. The Lord knoweth them that are his, and then let everyone that nameth the Name of Christ, let him do what? Let him depart from iniquity. Praise God. Um, let us see. We'll come back and read here. Let's just quickly read um, Second John. Second John chapter, of course, it's chapter 1, right? Second John. Verse 9, it says that whosoever, whosoever transgresseth and, and then abideth not in the doctrine of Christ hath not God, right? And he that abideth, abideth in the doctrine, that word abideth is actually he that is able to continue, praise God, in the doctrine of Christ that the, the person has both the the word, the Father, and the Son. So you see this nature of um, transgressing. Right? Trans- he that transgresseth and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ, that that person will, will have not God. So it's very clear that anybody who will have God is somebody who did not, um, who did not transgress in the doctrine of Christ, right? But um, who did not transgress, but someone who was able to abide in the doctrine of Christ, praise God, that, and the purpose of the doctrine of Christ is to, to bring God. So, so that's why in Second Timothy, in that chapter 2, that's why he's saying that the foundation of God, praise the Lord, so that foundation of of God is the same thing as the understanding in in First John chapter five. We just go a page behind Second um, John, First John five, verse twenty. Praise the Lord! It says, "And we know that the Son of God is come and has given us an understanding, right, that we may know Him that is true, and we." are in him that is true, even in his son, Jesus Christ. And this is the true God and eternal life. So and we say that this understanding is, is not just talking about a revelation alone, right? It's talking about a, it's a formation. It's actually a foundation. Well, so, but it's a, it's a high foundation. It's actually the, 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 also the understanding that 
makes you able to know him that is true is the foundation of God that, that standeth sure. Having the seal, and then the seal is that the Lord, the Lord knoweth them that are his. Praise God. So the, the seal of the foundation is actually the, is when the first time that you come into the, um, there are two things here, I'm seeing knowledge and I'm seeing ownership. So I'm seeing, God, when it says God knoweth them that are his, um, he's saying that there is something, there is, a, there is a formula in God that God applies to, to discern, or if you can use the word discern, or to determine them that are his. So it's very clear, not all are his, right? Yeah. Praise the Lord. So the Lord knoweth, so the seal, or what you call this, Understanding this seal is the the seal that makes a soul known to God, right? That makes a soul what known to God. And any any soul that doesn't have this seal is not known to God, or and also is not known to God. You can also say it's also not God's. It doesn't belong because what what actually God knows. Uh, outside himself, what God knows are uh, uh, them that are his, right? God does not, he doesn't have the ability to know anything. God can only know, God knows himself, and then he knows them that are his. Those are the only things that God has chosen to know, you know what I mean? <laughs> that he has chosen to, to know, because it's time for me to now know something, right? And of course, knowledge here, um, I, I don't believe at all that this is just talking about being aware of something. That knowledge is, is a deep word, like the way they will say Adam knew his wife. <laughs> Praise God. It's a, it's a, the knowing, knowing it's, it's deeper. Praise God. Amen. Amen. Um, for example, um, there are those who will come, come and say, Lord, Lord, we did many things in your name and all of that, Right. And then he will say to them, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. So it doesn't mean I wasn't aware that you were existing. It's just saying that, that there's something called knowing in, this, in the realm of acceptance. Praise God. Because that time or that place that Jesus was speaking about is actually a particular season. It's a season where people need to be accepted. It's also a time of choice, too. It's a time when whether you are known or not known counts in that season. Whether, so anybody that says, well, it's okay whether I'm known or I'm not known or this knowing and all these things, it's not really my thing, praise God. Um, it means that at that time, at that kind of season, that it will say that I never knew you. I never knew you, praise the Lord. Amen. So that's time of knowing is the, the season they, they speak about when they say knowing in that season is the they're talking about knowing in the time of acceptance right is knowing in the time of acceptance the the being when Jesus Christ said 
He who will say to me in that day, they will say to me, many will say to me, they will say unto him. Now, he himself, at that time, is not only op- will not be operating alone in his own capacity, but rather he will be operating in the capacity which his father had, has designed him to operate in. Do you get what I'm trying to say to you? That really, when you really check it, that there's one reason why God gave birth to his son. Right? And the purpose of that son is for the is for to receive many. Praise the Lord. It's for to do what? It's for to for to receive many. It's a purpose of there's there's what you call in the book of Hebrews, Paul calls it in the book of Hebrews, the bringing of sons to glory. Right? He said he became him by whom are all things and for whom are all things. It became him by whom are all things and for whom are all things in bringing many sons to glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through suffering. Praise the Lord. So the purpose of that person who, that person who is actually the means, Jesus Christ himself is the means by which many sons shall be brought to glory. Do you, do you get what I mean? So that's why they call him the captain. They are captain. So he's the captain of them who will be brought. Have you ever seen a, soccer, a football game where they say, where's the captain? They say, the captain's on the bench right now. We don't really have a captain right now on the field because the, the captain ship is actually attached to him. But they say, no, no, as long as you are playing the game, you must have a captain. So, so the word captain, or for example, they'll say, we are flying a plane right now. I say, okay, where's the captain of this airline? So the captain is actually asleep. He just traveled, he just flew a flight last. So we actually don't have a captain because there's a captain of this plane where he's not here. Do you get what I'm saying? Praise the Lord. So, or maybe, maybe a ship, for example. You see, this ship has only one captain. But that captain right now, he actually had to visit his people in the, in the village or something, but he's going to come back. When he comes back, he will resume what? Captainship. So we are just managing to just, no, it doesn't. Do you get what I'm trying to say? So, so what am I just trying to tell you is that you cannot separate the captainship from the journey. Like even if the captain wants to go and travel, he has to deputize another captain, somebody else. As long as the, 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 the ship, the plane, the team or the team is playing or the ship is moving or the plane is moving, somebody must be a captain. Are you getting what I'm saying? So, so the sense of, of captainship means a, a captain is one who is like the, the others. Who are, they, are, they actually... A captain is, is, is somebody, is the foremost or the first of them who are doing the activity together. So, so you're not worthy to be a captain if what you are engaged in is something else from what the others are doing. Are you seeing a sense of, of when you say captain, the point of captain is that is a present, and another sense of captain, captainship, say captain. captain. It's a very strong, it's a very powerful word. And I feel like that word has, 
you know, the world has messed up many things, but there are some things that have retained their essence, their meaning over time. And I, I think that that thing called captainship has, has maintained its meaning, even from the, the time of Scripture, from when it's being used, praise the Lord, in the Scripture. Are you getting what I'm trying to say? So the, another word for the captain is that the captain is somebody who has something at stake. He has, he shares in the same stake as the others. Do you agree with me? He, he, he shares in the same stake as the others. So the word actually captainship has a lot to do with the captainship. There are many things with captainship. There's also the connotation of sacrifice or the mandatory, the, the, the sacrifice is mandated in captainship. Now, if a plane is going to crash land, the pilot cannot jump out of the window and leave everything. <laughs> right? And he himself, he even knows that. You know, no point saving himself because even if you save yourself, you're in trouble. You see what I'm trying to say? So, so Jesus being the, the captain, so when they call him the captain of our salvation, right, the captain means... He's not just an, an elite guy who just came and just said, look, I'm not like all of you. I just came here to just to deliver something to you guys and take off. I'm leaving very soon. No, he actually came because the children were partakers of flesh and blood. The Bible says that he also then did what partook. Let's see that Hebrews. Praise the Lord. <clears throat> Glory to Jesus. Glory to Jesus. These are the kind of things that get me very excited and happy about Jesus. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Oh, we thank you. In Hebrews chapter 2, if you're there, say amen. Amen. Verse 9, it says, but we see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death. Right, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. For it became him, for whom are all things, and by whom are all things, in bringing many sons to glory, to make the captain of their salvation perfect through what? Sufferings. For, for both he that sanctified and they who are sanctified are all of one, for which cause he is not ashamed to do what? To call them brethren, saying, I will declare thy name unto my brethren. In the midst of the church will I sing praise unto thee. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, behold, I am the children which God hath given me. For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, that he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death that he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil, and then deliver them who through the fear of death 
were all their lifetime what subject to and verily he took not on him the nature of angels but he took on him the seed of Abraham wherefore in all things it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren that he might be a merciful and a faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make reconciliation for what the sins of many. For in that he himself has been suffered being tempted, he is able to succor them that are tempted. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Amen. Now, this thing they are saying here, um, Father, we thank you. Glory to your name. We give you praise. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Now, what they are saying here in Hebrews chapter 2 here, it's not, they are not speaking about the exact same thing. That they mentioned in Philippians chapter 2. In Philippians chapter 2, let's read Philippians chapter 2. Praise God, hallelujah. Now in Philippians 2, you won't see they, they didn't, you won't see them mentioning brethren here, right? What they were saying, let's see verse 5, Philippians chapter 2 verse 5, says that let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of his servant, and then was made in the likeness of man. Praise God. There's something called the likeness of man, which he was made in. And then he was made, what he was made into the likeness of man, he found himself in that fashion, what he called the, the fashion as a man. Praise the Lord. So. When he found himself in the fashion of his, as a man, that's where the journey, his journey then began. Yeah. Right? His journey then began, which now involved humility, humbling himself and became obedient unto death and even the death of the cross. And therefore, God has ever held exalted him, sorry, and then giving him a name which is above every name. Praise God. Now, in this process, when they say that he was found in fashion as a man, and then he humbled himself for some kind of transformation to happen to him. Uh, but in Hebrews chapter 2, um, they are now, they are speaking of it, they are speaking of it in a different way. They are speaking of it, in, it's the same thing in a way, but they are capturing him at a point. Do you get what I'm trying to say? They are actually capturing him at a particular point, not the initial point when he was made in the likeness of men. Praise the Lord. So when he was made in the likeness of men at that particular stage, you will not say it won't be scripturally correct or correct in the 
with the mind and the intelligence of the spirit to say at that point that he was made like unto his brethren. That was just talking about where he descended into just the the form. And that was the beginning point where he started from. Praise the Lord. Now, but in this place, they are now they are now telling, showing in the spirit another point where likeness must emerge for a purpose. That's why it's not okay to just say, "Ah, Jesus was made like us. Everything that we suffered, then He suffered it. He was just exactly like me." Praise the Lord. So. He's just exactly like me. Jesus was just like me. He was just like us. Then we now say that. Then we now say, okay, but he was also God. So he has superpowers. Like he was a superhero and has special powers. So don't expect me to do what he did. Even though he was like me. But, but, but the problem with that conversation is that it doesn't capture the growth of Jesus. Right. And then, most importantly, it doesn't capture the frame within yeah. where that growth occurred. Yeah. Because the frame, and that's where the entire message is. The entire message is the frame in which they were able to make that growth occur. Not yes. when it was in the form of God, yes. when it was like in the form of man. They are able to make a, a certain kind of growth occur. Then in Hebrews 2, they now captured him at a point. So you see that point? He's actually a man who grew into this place. Yes. That's what they are trying to say. Yes. And, and then when you check, capture this man in the spirit, you will now find that he can have brethren. Uh. At that point. Do you see what I'm trying to say? Are you getting what I'm trying to say? Let's read this place again. This is Hebrews 2. Praise the Lord. For verse 10, for it became him for whom are all things and by whom are all things in, in bringing many sons to glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through suffering. So this person they call the captain of their salvation. Jesus is not the captain of the salvation of anybody who's born again or, in, or every Christian. So when I'm, when I'm, and, I'm, and this, what I'm telling you is the honest truth, yes. right? You can't call, just maybe you just got born again yesterday. You cannot call Jesus your captain because you're not playing the same game as him. If they open your eyes to see your own field, your teammates in the spirit, you, most likely you can't see him. Maybe the sport you haven't played might be an entirely different sport from what he is playing. Do you get what I'm trying to say? So Jesus is not the captain of salvation of everybody, even though you might be born again, but he might not yet have become your captain. Yet. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. When you say he's my captain, he's my captain. It means you are, on, you are in the same business. You are doing the same thing. Mm. 
this thing I'm telling you is, is a reality. Yes. It's a reality. When his soul arrives at that place, there's a way you begin to discern him. You, you begin to discern him. You, be, you, you can begin to feel him by you. There's a way you can. When you're walking, it's not possible for a soul to be walking with the Lord and not know it. When, when we grow, and that's what the Lord wants to make us grow into, to a place where you're walking with him. He said, if we say we know him, then we also ought to walk, even as he walked. If we say we know him, then we also ought to do what? Let's find that place. So that's, that's First John. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. What verse is that? This verse six here. Sorry, he that abideth in him. Praise God. Let's see from verse four. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. It says he, he that said, I know him. Amen. And keepeth not his commandments is a liar. Now, before they said this, they had first of all said that he's, in verse 2, that he's not the propitiation for our sins only, but actually for the sins of the whole world. This is where the scripture confuses people, all these kind of statements. <laughs> Praise God. So he said it's not the propitiation. That propitiation means the, what? It's not the... Can you Google the word propitiation? The payment or the remedy. Okay. Appeasement, right? What else? Atonement, appeasement. Praise God. So is the appeasement, is the atonement for our sins, but not as only, also for what? The sins of what? For now, what, what they are saying is they are not saying that he has appeased for the sins of the whole world. Holy. They are just telling you what he is. Now when you say this thing is something, you can take it and lock it inside a room and say, I know you are this thing, but I'm not really interested in you right now. Do you get what I'm trying to say? So, what, when it comes to salvation and all of these things, we can tend to misplace and substitute what he became. You know, the journey of Jesus, a lot of time, he's talking about what he became. What he became. What he became, but doesn't necessarily be mean that what he became has been applied to you. It doesn't mean that what he became has been appropriated towards you personally. 
as a person. I can say, this is money. And I put it inside my wallet and keep it. And then, but I didn't pay. Let's say I took money to the store. And then I picked something. And then I didn't pay for it. Even though I have money. I took the thing away. What happened? I'm in trouble. They say, well, you say, okay, but why didn't you pay? And then when they catch me later, praise God. I say, what? Well, I say, no, but I have money. They say, what do you mean? I will show them, you see, this is money. That has nothing to do with the conversation, right? Because I didn't pay the money. I didn't use the money. I, the money wasn't applied. Do you get what I'm trying to say? So, um, so it's beyond what the, what the scripture is really revealing. is. They have to explain what he became. They have to show what he became. You get what I'm saying? So that's what they are saying here in this John, first John chapter 2, that he is the propitiation for our sins. And not for us only, but also the sins of the whole world. And hereby we do know that we know him if we keep his commandments. So there is something about knowing that through knowing, knowing is the gauge, the measure of the application of him, of the provision of him, of his person. Praise the Lord. Am I making sense to you? Are you getting what I'm trying to say? So hereby we do know that we know him if we <coughs> do what? Keep his commandments. And he that said, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments, he is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoso keepeth his word, and in him verily is the love of God perfected. And then hereby we know that we are in him. And he that saith he abideth in him ought himself also so to walk, even as what? Even as he walked. Amen. Amen. Are you seeing what, what they are saying here? Praise the Lord. Now, so this thing about Jesus being the captain of salvation is very clear that they are speaking about people who have come into the same, you can call it the same conversation, you can call it the same operation, the same, that is not, so when you talk about bringing sons to glory, you cannot talk about bringing sons to glory without the sons having some kind of engagement at the same level as this person who they define as their captain. The captain is the person. They are doing the same business together, but this one is actually the, is the person who has... Who is the captain? The person, the, the captain, and that word for captain is the person who carries the, the, the pattern. He carries the strategy. You get that? He, the person who has the strategy for a common operation. Right? The person who gets the instruction from the coach, right? Who, the person who carries the, the, the strategy, right? Who orders are, orders are reading. Like the, the captain of the airplane, who has, he has a strategy of how to get everybody to that place. Do you get what I'm saying? The, he has the flight plan. 
he has the, the map, he knows how to, he has the wisdom of, the navig- of navigation, he has everything. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Are you seeing what I'm trying to say? Yes, so this captain, but when you talk about captainship in the spirit, it's not a delegated thing. That Okay, you captain, go and do it for us. Right? It's not a delegated thing. But of course, the physical is just a type of it. Right? Um, but spiritually, the only way you can, he can carry you is by imparting the same wisdom, the same knowledge, the same strategy, the same revelation or whatever it is, the same stature in him that is, that is ordained in him to take on that journey. He has to impart that same thing onto the other people who are journeying with him. So it became him by whom are for all things in bringing many sons to glory. In bringing, is in this matter is talking about in the matter of bringing sons to glory. That's the that's the game that's been played. That's the journey that's been taken. That's where the airline is going to. That's where the ship is navigating to. Is navigating into a place called glory. Praise the Lord. That in bringing sons to glory, they had to make the captain of their service. So. And that word for salvation is a journey to glory, yes. right? It's the same thing. Yeah. Praise the Lord. That any soul that has not been brought to glory has not yet been saved. Yes. You've not yes. been saved. Yes. And that, what is the meaning of bringing a soul to glory? It's very simple. Making a soul glorious. Do you agree with me? Yes. Making a word is so. Soul. So after everything, at the end, you must be glorified. When you've not been glorified... Like Jesus, after he finished his journey in, in that John chapter 17, he said, I glorify me now with the glory which I had with you from the beginning. Let's, let's read that John chapter 17 very quickly before we come back here. Amen. John 17, if you're there, say amen. amen. Verse 1, it says, This word spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come, glorify thy son, right? That thy son also may glorify thee. As thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. And this is eternal life that they may know thee the only true God and Jesus Christ whom thou hast what? Sent that they may know thee. Praise God. Now, amen. amen. I don't know if you have been blessed today. Am I the only one being blessed? I just feel, I feel I'm really being blessed by this. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Father. He says, as thou hast given him power, that word power is this captainship. Right, that they've, they've, they've made him, they've given him, is actually a power over all flesh, but he will not give eternal life to all flesh. Do you get what I'm trying to say? He will not give eternal life to all flesh, but he has power over all flesh. In, what, what that means is that out of them who God has given to him, right, it doesn't matter what kind of flesh they are, that he has the ability 
to give eternal life to them. That's just the meaning of power. And that word power over our flesh, the power over our flesh which was given unto him was actually tied to him taking the form. Praise the Lord. Him taking the form in fashion, what? As a man. Right? Him taking that same form by virtue of him coming into that state, that dissension was actually the it was actually the making, the bringing him into a, a strange, powerful position. Praise the Lord. He, he, had, he came into a place that was actually kind of, kind of interesting but because of where he descended from to come into that realm. Jesus, at that point, was a, a very powerful potential. Right? A very, very powerful potential by virtue of where he descended into where he descended from. Praise the Lord. And he began to exercise what? That word, potential. So, and then Hebrews chapter 2 says, because the children were partakers of flesh and blood, that he also did what? Partook of the same. So that through death, he might destroy him that had the power of death. That is the devil. Him that had the word, the power of death. That is the word, the devil. I want to ask you a question. How did the devil get the power of death? How is he holding the power of death? Huh? Sorry, true? Now, when you say power of death, they're not talking about his own power, which, no, no, no. When you say power is always relative, right? Power is a relative statement. The power of death means the influence of death. Power is influence. You get what I mean? So if Satan just was able to stay in a place where, when he, when he came to Eve in the garden, oh, he was looking for power. Do you get what I'm trying to say? The power, not in terms of the um, potential or, you know, yet he had already gained power. With angels. Right? The angel, the word power, like I've taught a lot of times, that is influence. He has already gained influence with angels. But when he came to man, he didn't ask about that. He's actually powerless concerning this being. In order to do what he came, come to do, which is to steal, to kill, and to destroy, he was actually gained power. So when they say, for example, you are too quicken in Ephesians chapter 2. Who were once dead in trespasses and sins, in which, right, you walked according to the prince, the cause of this world, according to what the prince of the. Now, when they say the prince of the power, they, they didn't say according to the power of the devil. And they didn't say according to the power of the prince of the air. No, normally that's how they should arrange that statement. They will say, according to the power, which the power which that prince has. So because he's so powerful, that's why he's able to make men walk. No, that's not what they are telling you. They are talking about that. You once walked according to the prince who holds the influence of the air. That's what that power of the air is. So when he came to the garden, that's what he came to take. That thing called the power of the air. That's just it. 
the power of the air is the, the influence, right? Because in that realm of the air, that's the influence over man. That anything that wears flesh, it can be controlled from... Are you getting what I'm saying? Yeah. If you really trace Satan's power, trace it very well. It's not boxing power. I'm going to box you right now until you hate God. Do you hate, do you check, do you hate him enough? It's not that kind of thing. I've seen a lot of cartoons when I was younger. Praise God. You know, people have gra- graphic minds. Eh? They, they will show boxing ring with Satan with his horns and everything. <laughs> Then they will show God, as if God and Satan, as if it's boxing, they do. It's not boxing. <laughs> so, so you see, the real power is, is what? It's influence. That influence, right? That's the, so the prince of the power of the air is the prince who holds the influence, praise the Lord, over, over the air. So you now see what they, when they say, right, that... He has, you've given him power over all flesh. You have given him power over what? You have given him power. You have actually given him power over all flesh. God had given Jesus power over all flesh. For God to give Jesus power over all flesh, it wasn't just by, I send you right now, you are my son, so therefore you automatically have power. No, it is through an operation. While Jesus was on the earth, as he was growing, he was, there was a power negotiation going on. He was, by, by virtue of his wall, he was negotiating power in the spirit. He was negotiating what? He was negotiating power in the spirit by virtue of his, his own walk, which, and, and the work which he allowed the God to do on the what? On the inside, on the inside of him. It's not possible for a soul to change and not cause a shift in the power dynamics of the air. That's why sometimes we underestimate the impact of our own work and our own transformation because we are blind. We can't see. We don't, we don't see beyond that which is just immediately obvious and all of that. We, we, don't, we don't tend to see. It's difficult to see the big picture. We don't know that. For, that's why when you, you, sometimes for you to understand how things are in the spirit, try and take a step back. Observe how Satan behaves. Why is it that there's none of us that they by mistake forgot and just left it alone? How many of us are like that? Have you, have you ever seen anybody like that? That somewhere in the register of, in the kingdom of darkness, that the guy who was writing names, when they gave birth to that person, they forgot to write his name. So, Throughout his whole life, he has never been tempted before. They, when they are dispatching demons, they always forget his own address. Have you, have you ever thought of that? Nobody is free. No soul is free. No soul. You see all kinds of souls. Some souls even have their own customized spirits who have been customized to them. When you look at the way Satan operates with souls, you know that... Ah, the way he's dealing with everybody, you, when you go to every soul, you see a customized walk. Yes. You see a walk of attention. You, see, you don't see a walk of darkness in any soul that was done haphazardly. That maybe Satan wasn't paying too much attention when he was doing this one. 
There's a way he finishes the work. He, he, it's clean. It is, it is thought out. It is all the contingencies are in place that you make sure that the person doesn't by mistake do right things. That everything that needs to be worked into the soul. Praise the Lord. Are you getting what I'm trying to say? Huh? Are you seeing why you seeing what I'm saying? Yes. So imagine you realizing, imagine how much for it, let me tell you something. One of the ways to know that you are not insignificant is check how much investment Satan has done in your life. If you feel that maybe you're not important, you are intangible, whether you obey God or not, doesn't matter, you can do anything you like. Then why are all these spirits worry with you every time? Why don't you just by mistake just find wow? I just love God today. Oh my God. I just and they, they just forget you. Praise God. And you just get to the throne like that. No, 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 no. If you know what one soul, say every soul. Every soul. They will not say why in the scripture would they say that there's rejoicing in heaven. When even one soul repents. Why would, in the parable of the, sh- the, the shepherd and the sheep, after you, uh, when one li- is missing out of the 99, you will leave those 99 and then go after the one that's missing. Why? They're just trying to tell you something about a soul. Because souls are not on one soul, the commodity of any soul. The importance of every soul, every soul, every soul, every soul. That's why you should never say that. Ah, well, I mean, even if whether I'm in the number, whether I'm not in the number, I mean, this. Old, let me just do the best I can do. I mean, who am I anyway? Some of us are that way. And it sounds like a humility. It's not humility. <laughs> it's ignorance. So maybe, maybe me, I'm not really supposed to be a spiritual giant. I'm supposed to just be the person that just... You know, <laughs> when you see some people, ah, those are those are the ones. Those people, you see those guys. You see that guy. His own part is very very key. You see in this world. <laughs> You don't know how God thinks. A lot of times, the one that is most insignificant. That's where, so that's where all of God's heart is resting on. You don't know how God is beating towards us. That's why. Think about David, for example. David, just David. Ah! They can make you see how David was before. I mean, what state would he, could he have been as a person? For his father to even forget that he has a son. Do you know what I mean? That when they numbered, they brought out all, he brought out all his sons. They finish anointing. The prophet has to ask and ask again. I'm going, are you sure this is everything? He said, <laughs> say yes now, what else? Uh-uh, you're not hearing God, where well, you this prophet. Say, okay, me, I'm going, though. are you sure? Maybe he has already reached the junction. Ah, <laughs> Go and call him back. There's another one. Now, now, how insignificant must you be? How insignificant must your existence be? 
Are you getting what I'm saying? Now, now then, think about that guy. Then imagine how much weight and expectation of heaven was resting on that soul. The hope of the whole nation in God's heart was on that insignificant guy. And I can bet even at that time, he himself didn't know. He didn't know. Do you get what I'm trying to say to you? That's one sometimes when I'm trying to encourage people spiritually. And then the way I'm, I am with souls and all that, sometimes people don't understand where it's coming from. That tendency of, you know, don't look at yourself the way you are. Trust that God has plans. You know, because me, I know where me, I'm coming from too. So when I look at all of you, all of you, all of you, all of you, I don't see any of you that, that if they brought me the way I was before God found me, that it, and if they weigh any of you and they look at me, we are not even on the same. When, I look at, when you look at somebody who they will look at and say, ah, this person, God has a plan for you and all of that stuff. No, no, no. No. When you, when you, when you look at me, of course, spiritually, nothing to write to me about. But when you even look at me naturally, my, my weaknesses... Praise the Lord, my interests. The normal things that you look for in a person, right? Praise the Lord. And then, you know, and... You know what's even worse sometimes? It's not even what people see outside. It's how you see yourself. Yes, sir. <laughs> so the way me, I even saw myself to start with. <laughs> Amen. Amen. But God doesn't look the way men look. God doesn't think the way men think. God doesn't evaluate the way men evaluate. God doesn't, the way he calculates is not the way we calculate. That's why you should not, don't determine what you would do with what God has given based on anything. Not based on how your life looks, not based on the expectation, not based on your current situation, not based on anything in the present. Because where God is calculating from, where he's thinking from. When you look, you see limitation, you see wall, you see things, you see this one. God doesn't see anything like that. You know how we think, ah, poss- we think in possibilities. Yeah. Ah, is this po- how possible? Ah, God doesn't think in those terms. You know that calculation of, ah, how possible is this thing? Okay, what are the chances? What's the probability? When you get to God's word, those words, they don't exist. Every possibility is 100%, 100. There's nothing like, is it possible? Now, are, you, are you seeing that? Are you, are you getting what I'm talking about? <laughs> You need to know, and he said, that, that is the guy that said, I know the thoughts I have towards you. They are thoughts of good. I, I know the thoughts I have towards you. Now, I know them. He didn't say, I know the thoughts. I'm still considering you. We haven't decided about you yet. We'll see where we, we'll see where, where we will land concerning you. No. 
He said, I know them. They are thoughts of good. They are thoughts of good. They are not of evil. To bring you to an expected end. They're talking about this is your maker. This is what he has said. I don't know if this is... Jesus Christ. Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. Do you know that? Do you know that? Now when you say expected end, now do you know that that thing called expected end, you can't even, you don't even know what it is. Anything you think, anything you can calculate, I say, wow, this must be how God, this must be what God wants to do with me. I can assure you, you have no clue what he's talking about. When he said they are thoughts of good, not of evil. By the time, by the time they begin, you see, sometimes, that's why when you look at Jesus, for example, some of the things that he began to do, right? Because most of Jesus' recorded life was after he had, he had journeyed into a very, very, very advanced place with God. Where he had already began to see. At that point, the father no longer was hiding things from him. You need to understand that, to understand why Jesus was the way he was. That if you are not seeing what Jesus was seeing, don't go and try and ask him, what, what would Jesus do? See, he's not by, what would Jesus do? Praise the Lord. <laughs> Praise the Lord. You can say it, wear the t-shirt, everything about it. Praise God, but at the end, you still do what you will do. Because you don't know where he was flowing from. You don't know what information he had. You don't know what Jesus was seeing. What I see my father do, he was, he was seeing things. They had, they had raised him to a point. They, 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 he came to a stature. That stature Jesus arrived at for, before he went to Jordan and began to do the works of his father. It's called the stature of Enoah. Jesus came to the stature of Enoah. He was Enoah. He was Enoah. Now, how Enoah serves God is not the same, can never be the same way as how a person who doesn't know will serve. The kind of life they will live, the kind of choices they will be making. Because when they are calculating on what should we do, how should we do, and all of that, you don't know they are privy to another world entirely. Like Jesus was seeing another realm, another, he was seeing another economy entirely of things. What things? Things to live for. Praise the Lord. He was in another, imagine that another entire world of things to live for. You know that's how we live, right? We calculate and we know how, okay, how do, <laughs> thank you. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus.
thank you. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. You know how we calculate how to, how to give ourselves? We calculate how to give ourselves based on what we see, what we can see. The, the more we are, we are able to see and appreciate, the more we say, okay, we, can, we will give ourselves this much. So you cannot give yourself more than the amount of the knowledge. Yes, sir. How rich is the knowledge? Yes, sir. Imagine the riches that Jesus was, that he was operating from, the, the place of riches that he was he's operating from. When, when you make a person, when you make a person, when someone is poor, praise the Lord. Amen. 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 When someone is poor, they live wretchedly. They, they, have you ever seen a poor man who is writing a budget for the month? And then you, in that budget, you see going to Disney, spending a, a weekend in Disney. Praise the Lord. <laughs> a weekend in Paris. And <laughs> Except maybe the, the poverty has gone too bad. It has touched. <laughs> it has loosened the knot. You know what I mean? It's cruel. You know, when, when poverty is really bad, it can. Praise God. So I'm just trying to tell you that you, when they are making budget, according to, there's a sense of what's possible. Even though you can add some faith into the budget, which can happen. But you know what I'm talking about? It's not that kind of... Praise the Lord. Maybe you can add, add eating out one, twice instead of once. You, know what you, eat, you can eat out once. But if you make it twice, by faith, something can happen. You know what I mean? <laughs> so even that faith, say faith. faith. Thank God for faith. Substance sort of things, hope for evidence of things not seen, but see. Let me tell you something. Things not seen outwardly, but faith operate by sight. You cannot have faith beyond what you see inwardly. It's not, it's not a, a side is not involved in faith. It's just a different side entirely. You get what I mean? So, so when you see walking by faith, 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 let me tell you, the, the honest truth is that what we know as faith, as Christians, majorly, is a very wretched faith. The faith we have all practiced mostly is a very, very what? Wretched faith. Very wretched faith. Why? Because the faith is as limited by what can be seen with the inward eyes of faith. So we, we live poorly. We live wretchedly. We are, we are confined by the forces of the natural. We are confined. Corruption will tell you, 
This is what you can have. There's nothing better. You say, okay, sir. Uncle Corruption, I agree. There's nothing better than all these things. So these are the things I will live for. So it's very clear to, to produce a higher fit response than the amount of knowledge. The amount of knowledge that, has been, that the inside has been exposed to. So the, the limitation, say, they that don't know their God, they shall be strong. They that don't know their God, they shall be strong and they will begin to do exploits. What is the exploit? Exploit comes from the word of exploration. Explore, right? The explorer does exploits. So to explore means to, to, to push beyond the known terrain, right? To explore means to break the frontiers and then move, praise the Lord. So the more, the, 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 um, the pedigree of an explorer is measured by how far beyond the scope of the known are you able to go. If you say, ah, I, just, ah, I just found this thing, then you bring it, everybody already knows. It's not this thing that we've, we've all been talking about since. Go away, you're, you're a joker, you're not a serious person. But when someone just comes with a different, praise the Lord. Like, for example, let's say Christopher Columbus, who just sailed away. Maybe they even thought that he died or something, they just gave up on him. He traveled, he found a whole different continent. A whole different life, a whole different people, a different kind of, I don't know if you call it civilization or whatever, that he discovered. Where, where, how he traveled to get to that place. He moved beyond impossibility. How long was he there seeing only sky and sea? Just sky and sea. Just sky and sea. You sleep, wake up, sky and sea. Sleep, wake up. Sky. So you know it's not that it's not airplane now. You're going to Europe. <laughs> you don't know what kind of journey. The kind of when they say they, they went by sea, it's not even motor this thing, boat. <laughs> then figure out the distance from where he was going from he left the shores of Europe. Praise the Lord. So it means that, so someone like that, you can say, yeah, you're an explorer, sir. <laughs> because of how far. Are you, are you getting what I'm saying? So one of the purpose of the word of righteousness is, to, is just to this, is to give men strength. That's one of what they are trying. It's a strength, it's a, different, it's a strange strength. Empower men beyond to, to gain sight for things that are far beyond their world, their natural realm of things they can conceptualize and appreciate. Are you getting what I'm saying? That's the calling. The calling is to do exploits. Well, men have been trained that all that has to do with exploit is exploring like this. But it doesn't occur to men to explore this way. Of course, I'm not speaking geographically or anything. I'm talking about 
spiritually. You know, in the spiritual, there is the horizontal. Or horizontally spiritual. But then there is the vertically spiritual. Satan doesn't want anybody to take any vertical spiritual journey. He likes your, our journey, but let it be horizontal and then what? <laughs> because, because horizontal journey takes you downwards. Praise God. The horizontal journey, what? If it were possible, it would have been good for you to just be stationary. It's just that it's very hard to keep a soul stationary. Like we're talking about that. that every soul is moved, it's seduced. It's, it's, the seduction is for movement. When they want to move the soul, they seduce it in a direction. Because there's something called, say, gravity. There's something called gravity in the spirit. Do you know that? Yes, sir. There's something called gravity. In fact, let me tell you, this thing called this physical world that God made, it says a lot about the spiritual. Yes, sir. Right? That when God made the earth, he put something called gravity here on the earth. What is gravity? Gravity is that which, that, that, that which makes a thing naturally tend downwards. Yes. Unless a force greater than that force a force greater than what naturally makes men turn downwards is able to do what? To overcome. To overcome it. Praise God. So if someone just wants to see, okay, I'm just taking a purely horizontal journey. Horizontal means you're saying, okay, um, I don't like all these extra spiritual things, you see. I just mean that life should just be normal. I just want to live a normal life. Just basic things of life. Let me just say, take care of my wife, take care of my kids, just go to school and just do my, my basic things. So you see those things, it sound like, that's what you call, it's an aspiration for a horizontal movement. But when you start making the movement, you find out that there is something about the movement that tends downwards. It makes the soul go. Even if your intention is not to depreciate, but why trying to just be neutral and move, you find the soul is depreciating. Praise the Lord. So in order to be able to take movement and not appreciate, you must gain strength. Say strength. Say strength. So you see the exploration, which you need to explore when you begin to know your God, is actually an exploration upwards. And it takes strength to what? To explore upward. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their. What would they do? They will mount up with wings as what? Eagles. They will walk, they won't be weary. They will run and they shall not faint. They will walk, they won't be weary. They will run. And they shall not. Are you, are you getting what I'm trying to say? That word walking, not be weary. Running and not fainting. The reason why they can walk and not be weary and run and not faint is because of the renewal of strength. That when you, if you actually look at them, they're actually, they actually beings of flight. Do you get what I'm saying? They're actually what? Beings. But they are beings of flight. Who can measure walk? 
Arnold, but if someone tries to walk and run without the strength of flight, what will happen? That, that thing called weariness. Say weary. Weariness. To grow weary means to grow weary means the it's actually the extraction of strength from the soul. Strength is being extracted. Life is being extracted. So every motion a person takes without the wings of the spirit causes the word the depreciation of the soul. But some, the world will make you feel like, no, you can just do anything. No, you can't. You can't. If you say, I want to do something, you must expend something. What are you expending? You expend your life. That's what Satan wants. Use your life to do what? To get things done. So convert life in your soul to outward motion. But God said, no, you shouldn't be converting your life. Rather, there should be a renewal of your strength. We should add strength to you. So if I told you to move in the natural, you will be doing it by what? By another strength. That's how it is in the spirit. Praise the Lord. Am I making some sense to you? Thank you, Jesus. John 17. <clears throat> Glory to Jesus. Hallelujah. It says, Father, that's John 17, verse 1. It says, These things speak Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify thy son, that thy son also may glorify thee. As thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give what? Eternal life. So those who you give eternal life to as many as what? Thou hast given to him. I love that. As many as thou hast given to him. And this is eternal life, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou what has sent. I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. And now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self. Glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. Praise God. Glorify me with thine own self. With thine own self. You're seeing this thing of glory, right? It's, it's talking about journey of glory. But the journey of glory, you can't separate glory from persons. 
glory is not something that receive it right now. Take the glory. <laughs> Say, Lord, I have received the glory. You don't receive glory that way. Glory is the is the walking of a person, of person. That you cannot be glorious until they walk out the glorious being, the glorious nature inside of you. So, actually, glory can only come when, you, when they want to, you see the word, I love the phrase, being brought to glory. To bring to glory. The way they bring a soul, you see, it's bringing, they didn't say, Became an all things and through all things, praise the Lord. Became him by whom are all things and for whom are all things in the sharing of glory to everybody. No, it's in the bringing sons to glory. Sons have to, the only way sons can be made glorious is that they must be brought to glory. The way you bring son to glory is you bring them into a person. The way he he knew because he this was an so he knew the language of these things. That's why he was when he was speaking to his father, he was using the right language to speak. He said, "Glorify thou me with thee, with the glory which you, I had with thee. Glorify me with thine own self." With the glory which I had with thee from the so the way I can come back to that glory is. When I have been glorified with thine own self, it is my entering into thy own self. Do you see what I'm trying to say? So you cannot, you can never get to glory without finding the person. There's what you call the person of the glory. The being of the glory. That personality of the glory. You must find him. You must be brought into him. That's how they make his soul glorious. So, so glory is not really just an anointing, just a cloud or something. Like Moses, when he saw, of course it was a type, right? When he saw the face of the glory upon him, his face when he was covered. Now, how did he, how do you think he, that glory came to upon him? It came by, it wasn't, it wasn't that glory just came on Moses without anything happening. No, you know what, kind, what must have happened? He said that when it comes to Moses, that me, I speak to him face to face, right? So what is the meaning of face to face? Face to what? To face. Face to face. Face to face. So when someone is speaking face to face, face is the vehicle of the transfer of countenance. 
right, when they were really describing the blessing of Israel, they started with face, but really, it's to, the purpose of face is to tap into the countenance. If, if you remove the face, you lock the countenance. What is the countenance? What is the inward? The inward. Um, what is contained within the inward of the being? When you close the face, you shut down the word. You can't give the countenance. The countenance is hidden. So a face is actually the messenger, it's an instrument by which the, the, you can reflect, you can actually beam out what is on the inside of the soul. Say unto Aaron and unto his sons, Numbers chapter 6, that in this wise shall you bless the children of Israel, saying unto them, the Lord bless you, and what? The Lord keep you. May he cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. Then may he lift up his countenance upon you. And then give you peace. So grace for peace. Peace is the inward countenance. You get what I'm saying? What is grace? Gracious operation is the transaction for the deposit of things that will make for peace. The peace is on the inside. Do you get what I'm trying to say? The peace is what? On the inside. The peace is what they want to give. My peace I give to you. My peace I give you, not as the world give, give I unto you. Are you getting what I'm trying to say? So the peace is the countenance on the inside, but for to give peace, you need a gracious operation. The, the gracious operation is the operation of the face. What is grace? Grace is the, is the, is the, is the instrument of transaction. Grace. When you see, when you see anything, when time, anytime you see something is flowing, grace is at work. Yeah. If grace is not there, it won't flow. Yeah. Even though it's there, it might not flow. Wow. Do you get what I'm trying to say? Grace is what makes things, spiritual substance, toward to flow. Do you get what I'm trying to say? So you see all the epistle greeting, grace and peace be multiplied unto you. Grace and peace, grace and peace, grace and peace, grace and peace. Why, why grace and peace? Grace is the, grace is the, what? It's the walking, is the transactor. Peace is the substance. What is peace? Peace just simply means life, right? Is life that is that is full, life that is complete. Now, why I'm saying peace? Do you know that God is peace, 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 peace. Now, when you when you get to when you get to the veil of peace, anybody who gets to the veil of peace. And moves on from the veil of peace. As long as you are moving on from that veil, you will never take any step ever again outside of peace. You have actually peace has opened to you. You have everything else is peace. Do you know the everlasting work are works of peace? Do you know that? You don't understand what I'm trying to say. When he spoke about the tender mercy from on high in Luke chapter 1, and the day star from on high, by the tender mercies of God, praise the Lord, that will visit us. He spoke about that to guide you into the way of peace. 
And you see that way of peace is an, is an ascending way. It's a, it's, an, it's a way that is, is a way into God. That way of peace is that when you say someone has, I've made peace with God. <laughs> this, this is what Christ wants to make you. That once a soul has made, a see, a soul that has made peace with God has made peace with God. Peace with God. The, the works of men who have made peace now begin to be open. Okay, there are works that only those who have peace with God can do. These are the works called everlasting works. Everlasting works are the works of men who are at peace with God. <laughs> you, are you getting the sense? That the most holy realm is a, is a peaceful realm. Even though when you get there, wow, you now begin to see, wow, there are things here. There's something called joy here. Joy. Joy. Say joy, 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 joy. Joy, praise the Lord. Joy, amen. Amen. You cannot make a soul that is not peaceful, joyful. You, you, want, to, you want to give joy, first make peaceful. If you, if you bring a soul that is not peaceful, I want to make them joyful. They will, what are you talking? I'm being disturbed. What, what joy, joy about what? They are busy, they are looking for peace. How can I get peace? So you cannot give joy to a troubled soul. First, you have to give peace. First. The journey, the quest for joy is a quest of a soul that has made peace. That takes a quest for joy. Are you getting what I'm trying to say? Why would they call him the God of peace? Right? Is, they're, talking about, they're talking about Christ now. They're talking about God. You see, this actual God is actually the God of peace. It means that everything in him is peace. Peace is the platform from where he operates. Praise God. Are you seeing what I'm saying? So in this wise, you bless them. You have to, what? Lord bless you and keep your cause his face to shine upon you, right? And then be gracious unto you. The purpose of grace is to bring peace, right? Yeah. Grace will walk and walk and walk. Why, why, is, why is grace working? It's to bring righteousness. Righteousness, righteousness. Righteousness is the importation of life. To give life and life and life and life and life. Grace is working. As life is increasing, grace is working. Grace must never stop working. In your life, grace must never stop working. Grace must never stop. Grace can never stop. If you are, you, your, your, your feet is shifting out of gracious living, find it back. Bring it back. Bring your feet back into graciousness. Don't let the world trick you. Invest in, in the perfection of, of grace. How to live by grace. Because if you are not living by grace, you won't be finding peace. You find that all the things you are doing are not resulting in you receiving peace. It's only a work that is done graciously that will produce what? Peace. Or peace. What is peace? Peace is a sign of life. Right? 
the more life you have, the more peaceful you become. And when you come to a place where you want to say, okay, I have peace with God, it's because the life of Christ has prospered to its fullest. Praise the Lord. You can see why when God was speaking about Moses, so you see where he got the glory from. It was, it was from that face. So the face dealing with God. He said, I speak to him face to face. He's not just talking about he sees my face and all that. All he's just talking about is that I, get, I made Moses privy to my countenance. Right? That's what they said. Now, when they spoke about Moses, they said that his countenance was shining. Right? His countenance was, was shining. So it means that he had, he had actually tapped out of the countenance of God. Anybody, nobody can tap, can cut, take, a cut, take a portion out of the glory realm, out of the glory world without, without, um, without, without um, what you call the the, the, the foundation of God or what we call the understanding. In that encounter with God, you saw the understanding manifested in that encounter. When he was saying, show me your glory, he was asking for the glory. He was asking, he wanted the glory. He goes, God, I was, okay, there's this thing about glory, I will use this opportunity to teach something. Is that there is actually a place by me, right? And in that place, there is a rock there. Do you get what I'm saying? That is this, you have to be upon that rock. It's, that rock is the vantage point from where I will now pass. When you stood upon the rock, I will now pass. I will say I will cover your face and I will pass beside you. Are you seeing what I'm trying to say? So the... The, the, so that was actually the, the first, the, they, they gave Moses like the intro to glory, right? The intro to glory. What was the intro to glory? It wasn't even, you know, in that mountain experience, they didn't speak about him seeing God's face directly. It was after that God said, I speak to, my, to Moses face back to face. So that would tell you that Moses must have even grown. It means that the first time he had dealings with God, he wasn't looking at his face directly. Praise the Lord. Are you getting what I'm trying to say? And, and also, I'll, I'll tell you that the word face-to-face means a lot. Right? That it doesn't mean that when Moses goes into the most holy or something, that you see one face appear. When they say face, when they say face, it means something. Praise God. The word face means the channel of the countenance of God. Praise the Lord. The, word, the channel of what? Of the, what is contained inside God. The channel. And it's very clear the countenance of God are his laws. That should be very clear to us. Right? And that should also be clear in the way you see that what the glory rests upon. 
is actually the testament. So the countenance of God is what is contained within the ark of God, which is, which is where the, the laws are. Are you getting me? That ark. The ark is the keeper of, the, of what is contained in God. So when, so when God was speaking about Moses, he was talking about, he told him, how will we be having interactions? Right? He said, look, when you come, okay, in that, out of all things I've told you to design, design the ark this way, put the cherubim, yeah, put the other cherubim that way, upon the ark. Let them stretch their hands, their wings together to kind of overshadow the message. And he now, he now said that up from above the mercy seat, there I will what? I will commune with you. I will speak to you from that above where the mercy sits. So it means that when God was talking about seeing face to face to Moses, he wasn't talking about one, his own face appearing the way we think of face. What he was actually talking about that when Moses goes there, Moses actually looks at the, the, the beam of the, the glory, the presence that is Upon the seat, the mercy seat, praise the Lord, wherein resides the testimony. So he said, from that place I will commune with you. Now you see, imagine how many things God said to Moses. Imagine how many things God said. To, when Moses would come out, he would just begin to talk. You, this is what you should do. Don't do this. If you do this, you will die. If you do this one, this will happen to you. These are the laws. Are you getting what I'm saying? Just telling them this, this, that, don't wear this, don't wear that, don't do this on this day, don't do this this way. We just kept talking. And priest, are you guys what I'm trying to say? So, so when, it means that there was 10 laws there written on the stone. When Moses was coming to commune, more than 10 laws was there. Now, when Moses came out from that place, he had much more to say than thou shalt not have a grieving image. And, why? Because of, are you getting what I'm saying? Praise the Lord. <clears throat> Thank you, Father. Verse 4, I have glorified thee on the earth, right? And I have finished the work which thou givest me to do. And now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory. I love, the, I love Jesus. We can't just, we shouldn't read these things anyhow. He was talking to his father. This was an enlightened man in this realm. So he said, he didn't just say, give me your glory. Like Moses asked abruptly, show me your glory. <laughs> he means that Moses really didn't know how to ask properly. So, then God now, God said, you see, no man can see me and live, okay? He said, show me your glory. He said, no man can see me and live. That word, what he's just trying to tell you, when he say no man can see me, it means that he's a man who has not been glorified with myself, who cannot 
be glorified with my glory. That's just this. I don't know if you can see that sense. That's the sense of that word that I'm trying to say. So, if you are just, you're just very zealous, show me your glory, God. Maybe that's how Moses was shouting. Although Moses still had some enlightenment because there's a way he prayed. He said, if I have found grace in your sight. That is also because he had some sense about how they transact it. You cannot pray that prayer outside the... (laughs) Right? Do you get what I'm saying? That things, are, things don't flow from God without, there's something called grace that makes things flow. If you don't understand grace, it will never flow. They say, come boldly to the throne of grace, and then once you arrive there, help has come. You say, look, when you've come boldly to the throne of grace, you have to obtain mercy so that you can find grace to help. Are you, are you seeing the operation of the throne? That, you see, this throne is not anyhow. Right? That if you can be around the throne, say, God, I'm here at the throne. Why are things not working? They say, look, look. There's a way throne operates. That You can't have any operation. There's something that is in charge of the operations of God. It's called grace. That if you want help, there's plenty of help in this throne. But you see, you must find grace to help. So, so Moses said, if I have found grace in your sight. He's talking about you must have found grace. Grace is that so that this thing can flow. It's by grace that makes what things what flow out of God. Praise the Lord. So Jesus here was praying, the manner of his own prayer, Jesus was saying that, he said, glorify me first with thine own self. He understand that this, this, this glory is a thing of persons. So really, it's actually thine own self with the glory. So the glory is attached to yourself. Praise the Lord. With the glory which I had with thee before the world was. Amen. Now, so in that, that Hebrews chapter 2, right? He said, it became him by whom and for whom are all things in bringing many sons to glory. In bringing many sons to glory. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. In bringing many sons to glory, to make the captain of their salvation, what? Perfect through sufferings. Verse 11, for both he that sanctifieth and they who are sanctified are all of one. Are you seeing what they are saying here? So they are bringing this aspect of one here. Both he that sanctify and those who are being sanctified are all of one. They are all of one. So this sanctification will not happen if they are not all of one. It is because they are all of one. That's why this sanctification can occur. For which cause is not ashamed to call them brethren. Because they are all of one, he's not ashamed to do what? To call them brethren. 
Praise the Lord. Saying, I will declare thy name unto my brethren in the midst of the church. Will I sing praise unto what? In the midst of the church. Okay. <clears throat> What's the meaning of in the midst of the church? Here, is he saying that inside the church you have to go to the middle <laughs> of the building? <laughs> I doubt that's not. <laughs> I doubt that's what he's saying, right? Um, so, can someone tell me just if you have a sense of what, when you read this, what comes to your heart of the meaning of the midst of the church? Sorry, so it's what holds everything together. Okay. That's somebody else. I don't know if anybody else can just. He's talking about like, you know how, I think it's Paul or something where he talks about that he's come up from there, the church of Christ. Okay. You know, um, people who, I imagine like people who are standing on Zion in the land, those people who have been saved. Okay. They're just like him. Praise God. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That's correct. What you said is correct. What you said is correct too. Um, does anybody get have another any sense too? Okay. Yeah. Emma. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Okay. Praise God. So where they they are all one. So the miss is where they are all one. I love that. Praise God. Amen. I love that. Amen. It's, the, it's a scripture wisdom. Right? It's a scripture wisdom. <clears throat> it's a wisdom of the spirit. Praise God. It's the same wisdom that Jesus used when he was teaching about the kingdom. Do you remember? Where he brought the, the disciples, they gathered, and he said, except you be converted and become as little children, right? You will not enter. So he gathered the children. And said, become as little children, you will not enter. So that was, that was the, the entrance then. He now put, sorry, they gathered and then he, he put the child in the midst of them. The apostles gathered. He put a child in the midst. So, except you will be converted and become as little children, you will not enter. So, use the word children. 
you will not enter children. Our children means become as children means when you have many children, you have multiple children. It means there are, there are many. You can see in that realm of entrance, you still have variety. Right? There are children, you have variety. But they don't say that the person who will then humble himself as this little child, which is one. That was this little child, is talking about the one child, which was in the midst, will be called the greatest in the kingdom. Are you seeing what I'm saying? So he's talking about ascension. Ascension. From many to become one. I said that one is like the highest. So one is he was teaching that it's not the exact same thing that this verse is saying. But it's the same concept. It's the same wisdom. You will find that same wisdom in the book of Revelation, chapter 4. It's hard to see it. But I think I've taught it before. But it's hard to see that that whole arrangement is actually a secular arrangement. Then you now find the throne. You now find the midst of the throne where they sat one. In the midst of the throne, that one sat. I used to that thing called the midst of the throne. One sat. So it's, it's talking about before you come outside the throne, you find the elders, right? You find the twenty and four elders. The twenty and four elders. That's what it said. They didn't say twenty-four elders. They said the twenty and the four elders. You know, I know the calibration of of things. Everything in the, was according to cardinal points, especially north, south, east, west, like that. So the word twenty, when the Bible says twenty and four, you can't just say it's twenty-four. There's there's something. It's twenty and four, right? So you first, when you are when you are approaching, you first find the twenty. Means the twenty are on the same level. Which is five, 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 five. That is makes them twenty. At the same level. If if you draw a circle to the center, they are at the same distance. So you find the twenty there. Five, 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 five. Then and four. You find one, 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 which is four. You have to you have to share them around. Are you getting the sense? The twenty. Then and the four. Right? Then you now now do you think the the twenty the twenty and four elders, you think they don't have their own their own position or their own cardinality or something? Because when you when you look at the four living creatures, the Bible makes us to know they have in terms of their own four faces. The face they have their own places, place where they face combined revelation image and the book of Ezekiel. Ezekiel gave us more insight into those four living creatures. That each face is facing what? Do you get what I'm saying? Then you now find, so you find four, the elders, then four creatures. 
then before you find where the the, the mist the throne and the one who's in the mist are you, are you getting a sense of that so you are seeing what what you're happening as you're getting to the center the numbers are reducing Till it becomes, till you find one. So among the 24 elders, you will find, out of 20 of the 24 elders, you will find more variance or variation in nature properties. Do you get what I'm saying? But out of them, they are, there's 20 and then four that, that have less variation among them. They actually are ahead of the what? Of the 20 elders. The 20 and 4, all 24 elders, they don't have the same pedigree. That's what I'm, what I'm trying to, to say. It will be, it's unlike God to, to make them all the same. Are you getting what I'm trying to say? Check also how God arranged the Israelites in the wilderness. Just go and read it. Go and read the book of Numbers. God shared each of the tribes. Right? And he said, this, let the tabernacle be in the center. You three tribes, stay in the north. You stay here. You stay here. You stay here. East, west. God told Moses all those details. Then he now said, take the house, the tribe of Levi. When you get to Levi, which is closer, still share them among the, the cardinal points. Are you seeing how God operates? And, and when they are journeying, they journey in that, form, in that formation. So those are, it's just scripture, it's Holy Ghost, it's wisdom. Praise the Lord. So now, so this thing called the midst of the church. So the church, when you hear the word church, church is not talking about the kingdom. Church is not the kingdom necessarily. Even though in the church, there are people in the church who can be in the kingdom. There are some people in the church who are not even in the kingdom at all. They've not even begun to even enter the kingdom. But when you come to the church, you find them. The word church means the, the ecclesia, those who are called out to take a journey, Right? And in that journey, they are in different places. Do you believe that? Do you believe that the word church and the bride are not the same? You don't believe that? When you say bride, actual bride, it's not church. It's not everybody who is in the church that will become a part of the bride. The Bible makes that very clear. It's not the entire church that's the bride of Christ. Are you getting what I'm trying to say? Exactly. Praise the Lord. So, so when you look at the church, you arrange the church. You now find that in the spirit, the church has an arrangement in the spirit. When you say, are you a member of the church? Yeah, I'm a proud member of the church of Christ. You, you, can, you are a member, but when they check the arrangement of the, of the church spiritually, they are actually in cadres. In the outward circumference, you will find the least developed people in the church. Those ones are out there because they can easily go out. They can easily say, I'm tired of this church business, man. So they have to know where they put them. They put them around the circumference of the church. 
Do you get what I'm trying to say? So, but now, <clears throat> this, this place where they call the midst of the church, like I said, is not talking about kingdom now. They're talking about the church. Then talking about the midst of the church. The church, then the midst of the church. Praise the Lord. The midst of the church. So, the midst of the church is the first place where in the church, this church you're seeing, you find, is the neighborhood where you find degree of oneness begin to emerge. Anybody who has arrived from, nobody can be in the midst of the church. That's just the, the sense they're trying to pass across is that anybody who finds themselves in the midst of the church is somebody who has journeyed. That's the, that's the sign of the mist. The sign of the mist is that to get to this point, you had a, there's a large circumference. To get to the middle, this one, this one journeyed from here, that one journeyed from there. They're getting to, one, to oneness. They have to use this sense to make, they have to do it like this to make you understand the sense that where, where you are is not a straight line, beginning and end. If they use that to describe the church, you won't get the sense. You won't get the sense that is journeying from different places, but to arrive at the same point. It has to be a circle to show. When you talk about God, that's why they use the same idea for, the, for Israel. Different proximity from the, from the place of the glory. The actual focal point of that Israel's arrangement in the wilderness is where the Shekinah is, which is where the glory is. Are you getting what I'm saying? And then God arranged all the Israelites according to their level of sanctification. How far are they from this realm? Then they arranged them according to that level. So when you come out, you first of all see Aaron's people. Aaron's, Aaron's house, you see them, they're actually right there. They are the priests. Actually, from one, the high priest. Then you go toward, from one, you go to four. Do you remember? How many sons did Aaron have? Four sons. It's the same idea. Are you seeing the sense? From one, you go to four. Then after that, when you come out, you go into the Levites. God, he separated them into four. You know the Levites, the sons of Levi, how many are they? They are also four. The household, then you praise the Lord. After the Levites, you now begin to go to the other tribes. Of Israel, God now divided the tribes into four. Four. Are you, are you seeing the sense? So that secular thing is telling you how journey occurs. How journey occurs is is into to one. Same pattern of the heavens, the angels. You see the same thing there. Same thing when Jesus was teaching about the kingdom. You saw the same pattern. Are you getting the sense? Is how journey occurs. So you're not journeying anyhow. Oh, I've been a Christian for many years. No, no. It's that they measure you by how much are you, how close are you to the center? How close are you? Are you conforming to that one thing? Right? When in the book, the, the manual, or not necessarily the manual, the, 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 the charge, where, where they were, Paul was making clear the, the commission, the charge and the commission to the church, 
which is a commission to the, see the commission to the church is not what we call great commission, see, go into the world and no, no, no. That's not the commission to the church. Praise the Lord. When Jesus, when Jesus was saying all those things, he wasn't talking to New Testament church, eh? New Testament church hasn't been born. Necessarily, right? This was take it, talking about something else entirely. But when you talk about what is the charge of the New Testament church, you have to go to Ephesians chapter 4. Paul gave that. In that chapter later on where he said, when he, he what? He, ex- he ascended on high. He led captivity captive. He gave gifts to men. Praise the Lord. He gave some to, be, to the apostles, to be prophets, to be teachers, to be pastors, to be evangelists. Say for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, until we all come to the unity. Say unity. What is unity? Oneness. Come in the unity unto a perfect man. To the knowledge of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Are you seeing that? See unity. Say unity. But before he even went to other conversation, he first opened the chapter with defining the standard of oneness. That this, let's read that Ephesians for even if we don't have too much time, but let's Quickly, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Shembrian to Sivanata. So if you are going to a church and they're not, they, oh, they're not interested in oneness, you just keep praying. <laughs> praise God. Just know that, man, this is, this is, not, the, this is not, not the right picture. You know what I mean by not being interested in oneness? Where there's no sense of journey. There's no sense of, there's, a, there's actually a target you know, I get what I'm trying to say. That let's just do it. Let's do it how we can we'll, to make heaven. We we'll just make heaven. No, 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 no. That's not Christianity. There is actually a standard. They didn't leave it open to definition. To the unit in the unity of the faith, unto a perfect man, not just any perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Praise the Lord. So. So that thing that they were talking about the church there, when he ascended on I gave gifts to men, he was speaking, he spoke about the fullness of Christ. The fullness of Christ. Father, we thank you. Praise God. Let's read this thing. <coughs> Praise God. Ephesians chapter 4, from verse 1, it says, that I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, I beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called, with all loneliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring. I'll say that word endeavor means to try. Endeavor. What do you what do you it means don't be passive about it, right? Don't be passive about it. It's an, actually an endeavor. The church is a place of an endeavor. But you have to strive for something. Praise the Lord. Paul also spoke about it. He said that they, that, that you don't, like those who are strive for masteries, they don't just do it anyhow. Right? But they strive like one who is what? Who is looking for a crown. 
Or B, that crown is, is a corruptible crown. That there's a sense of a target. Verse 3, endeavoring to keep the unity. So what you endeavor to do is to keep the unity of the spirit where in the bond of peace. Praise God. So when, the, when you say unity of the spirit, say unity, unity. of the spirit. So, when, this, when we're talking about unity in the body of Christ, we're not talking about, he's not talking about, um, just abolish all the local churches. Everybody in Ottawa will come under one roof, will rent one big, giant place. Praise God, and we all now physically come together and all hold hands and sing. Now we are now. We are in unity now. You know that's how we cannot mind. <laughs> Anything that scripture says, a cannot mind will take it and praise God. Any cannot mind is an abuser. A cannot mind is anointed by the devil to abuse everything that God has said. And everything God has said, bring it to a cannot mind. Oh, this thing. See, you know the sign of a cannot mind? Nothing is mysterious to a cannot mind. That's one of the signs of carnality. When he brings any, anything, go and bring the most mysterious, hidden something, and then bring it to a very carnal guy. Oh, he's not, yeah, I get what they are saying. It's not, it's not just uh, this thing. It's a very, it's a very simple uh, idea, very simple thought. That's a carnal mind. <laughs> right? So a lot of things we've used our carnal mind to interpret many, 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 many things. So, so when we talk about unity, unity in the body of Christ, unity, 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 unity. We don't know what the Bible is talking about. You know, it's clear that you can be together in the same place, worshiping under the same roof, everything, but... When you come, when they open in the eye of the spirit, you just see scattered flock. Everybody is scattered. Even though on the outside you do it, but it's not. That's not what you call unity. So, it's, of course, unity is not going to the same church. Unity is not. Um, praise the Lord. Reading from the same manual. Right? This is called the unity of the spirit. Mm? So this united church, when it emerges, you find that even local churches begin to multiply. There are many. But how you know they are united is when you land here and you, you, serve, you attend service here one day and then you go to the other one, they might not even know each other physically. Yes, but uh, uh, this is not this, this is this exact same thing, no? Uh, uh, did they go and plan? Uh, is there a praise God? Sure, you know Catholic Church has tried to invent unity before. Even right, right now. In other words, we, they can't, you can't just leave it to a maybe local father. No, no, no. The bulletin in Rome, you know where it's coming from? It means the Pope must have breathed up. <laughs> this is, the Pope got it fresh or something. 
and they, they send it out. Every, so it means that every Catholic in the whole world is reading. Today, we are all reading John chapter. I'm so sorry. Why am I talking about Catholics? Please. I'm not mocking. Please. I'm so sorry. Please just have mercy. If you're a Catholic and you're listening to me, please. Just know that this, this is just an ignorant sinner. Just talking. Please. I'm not mocking. I'm just trying to pass, get the point across. Praise God. All I'm just trying to say is that it's not in that, right? That's not where unity is. It's called the unity of the spirit. The unity of the spirit. So, of course, there can be unity of the spirit if there hasn't been first an interpretation of what the mind of the spirit is. That the spirit has a standard that must be interpreted. And every church, every believer must cite that standard. And then it's by striving for that exact standard which the spirit is revealing. That's our unity. So we can all be arriving towards unity, but you are doing it in the other country. This one is doing it in Spain. The other one is doing it in Africa. But why? Because they are seeing the same standard. They are building after the same pattern. I mean, they are developing the same thing. You see that different local churches, but the stature has been raised at the same. Why? Because they are building the exact same thing. And then they say that that unity of the spirit, the sign of the unity, of that there is unity, is the bond of peace. That you endeavor to keep the unity of the spirit in the words mean of the bond of peace. It means that the way we would check you arrive at the right thing is when you arrive at peace with God. If someone goes on their own tangent and says, ah, we have arrived at this unity, then you not check, ah, but this soul is not at peace with God, though. You say, no, no, you did not arrive. What you arrived at is something else. When they check it, you say there's still a difference between what was built and what the standard of the Spirit is. Praise the Lord. So the unity of the Spirit is in the bond of peace. What's the bond? Means at that, that center, right, where they come together, is that what's this insign, the insignia, that that point has been reached, is when every soul reaches peace. There's no, no way a soul will, will arrive at peace with God in Jamaica. And another soul arrives at peace with God in India. And when you bring them, their revolution starts clashing. No, somebody's lying. There's something is not... <laughs> Amen. Amen. So I say, let's read the Bible. No, no, let's go and evangelize. Let's go and bring people inside. There are more people. The world is dying. The world and all that. The other one say, no, 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 no. But the other important thing, we need to pray more. It's about praying. We have to pray. Are you get what I'm saying? I'm talking about different emphasis on souls. These are the things that Satan has done to kill it, to remove the sight. People are pushed into different things which they've defined, which they are growing in. Are you getting what I'm trying to say? Please, pardon me, I'm taking time on, on this matter. I'm trying to paint a, a, a picture across. Now, if as a Christian, you are growing into a prayer warrior, you are growing wrongly. If there's a ministry, say, we, we raise, oh, I will raise here prayer warriors. You are, you are raising your own thing. You are, raising, you are building your own thing. If 
you, you are grown and your own stature, oh, I'm a mature, you know, Christian. And say, okay, your own, what, when they check your maturity, your maturity is that you, you know how to do evangelism. That is not, are you getting what I'm trying to say? So, no, this is our own mandate. Our, then I check another one that, ah, this one is that we, we know how to, you know, our own skill is in the marketplace. We know how, what to do by the grace of the Lord to, to make, praise God, to reach captains of industries. <laughs> so this one raised captains of industry. This one raised um, evangelism. And, praise God. And when you see, they're all useless to God, all of them put together. <laughs> Are you getting the sense? Amen. All these things, so there's a, there's a definite standard. Sometimes the devil can cheat people out and tell you, no, all these things you are learning is just, maybe just someone's own revelation. That's the way that they see it. But it's a lie. It's a lie. You know, you know the lie? The lie is that you will now settle for something less. But when you weigh what you are settling for and then weigh the truth that has been presented to you, you know, you know that, look, this one makes this one naked. And then this one, when you look at this one in the light of this, this one does not even exist. It doesn't mean anything. Are you getting what I'm trying to say? There's the thing called truth. Truth is powerful. When bring anything, take the truth, bring anything around it. Yeah. Truth is still standing, it's straight, yeah. it's accurate. Nobody can come and tell me that God's desire for you in life is to become a prayer warrior. What do you mean? You can say that when you don't have light. Because you just see prayer is everything. But you cannot have this kind of light. The scripture is opening, you are seeing the demands of God. And then you say, no, I just want to settle for something like that. You're talking about you developing into the image of your maker. You say, no, I just want to go and win so. You're a profane fellow. Something's wrong with you. (laughs) Praise the Lord. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace, for there is what? One body, one spirit, even as you are called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and Father of all, who is above all and through all, and then in you all. Praise God. So he's just highlighting different points where, or different important aspects where you find oneness in all these things. It's it's all about oneness. When you talk about the faith, it's the oneness. Talk about baptism, oneness. The calling, oneness. Praise God. 
He said, for, but unto every one of us is giving grace according to the measure of Christ. If what they're telling is that grace is what travels. And then wherever you are, grace can find you there. But grace wants to bring you into what? Into that one, into that one thing. Praise the Lord. So in this midst of the church, let's quickly back to Hebrews chapter 2. For both he that sanctified and they who are sanctified are all of one. So when you, say, when you see one here, um, it didn't say that necessarily they are all one. But they are all of one. The word all of one speaks about brotherhood. Not marriage. If it's marriage, you say they are one. Right? But brotherhood is like the children in a home are all of one. They are of one. Right? So it's very clear that this of one is a, is a place. Right? Of brotherhood. Amen. Amen. The place of brotherhood in the midst of the church. So, it means every soul, this soul must journey and journey and journey and journey till they become they become all of one. That's a is a point in the spirit. And what links them is that you get to a point where everybody in this company, when you check them, say, Who are you of? They point to that one. Check the other one. Even though you will still find variation among them, but check who they are of. They are actually off of one. So so that is the place of brotherhood is a birth, is the birth in Christ. Now, those people who are of one, they are the guys who have come into the same place where then Jesus becomes their captain. So he is a captain of all them who are of one. So when you talk about him as a captain, like I said before, of course, you're taking a snapshot of him at a particular point in his what? In his journey. Does that make sense to you? Praise the Lord. You're taking a what? A snapshot of him where at some point in his what? In his journey. Let's read this place. speaks about that point. So, of course, this point is the point where you find those who are sanctified. Do you agree? Those who are sanctified, right? What have they been sanctified? They've been sanctified by the truth. 
Praise the Lord. So, the place of them who are sanctified, praise God, is that it's those who are sanctified are those who have become all of one. So, the first sanctification is that, is that sanctification that makes you of one. Praise God. And those people are also brethren that for which cause is not ashamed to call them brethren, saying, I will declare thy name unto my brethren in the where midst of the church will I do what? Sing praise. So this is, you understand the midst of the church. Now, what is the meaning of singing praise unto thee? Will I sing praise unto thee? You know the word praise? Say praise. praise. This praise here is not talking about I will enter into his gate with thanksgiving, into his court with praise. Right, there's the first chorus, there's a first chorus of praise that happens at the entrance into the courts of God, which happened a long time ago. When the song, the soul enter into the court, there is what you call praise. What praise is talking about praise is the praise is the attitude for entrance. Right? Praise is the inward, is the inward character. The, is the inward character that is formed for entrance. Do you agree with what I'm saying? For you to gain access into a realm, a thing, a place, the praise of that realm or thing or place must have become plenteous in your heart. Is the praise of it that makes its gate open. I don't know if you get a sense of what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you don't get the full, the sense of what I'm, I'm going to say, I can just quickly move forward. If... <laughs> Praise God. Now, praise in the heart is the praise in the heart is the state of a heart that has been serenaded by the tidings of the realm that it wants to enter. It's been serenaded by the tidings. It esteems it. That word praise, I, when you pray, it, when you say, I, I praise something, praise. When it, for example, when the Bible says it will make Jerusalem a praise on the earth, it means it will make Jerusalem a place where people want to enter into. Right? It will make her a praise. Ye that make mention of the Lord, do not keep silent until I make what? Jerusalem a praise on the earth. I mean, men are de- are, have been, are, it has been desolate for a long time. Because men don't esteem it. It's not, men don't find it her praiseworthy. Men are going after all that things, after Babylon. But there will be a time when God will make her a praise. I mean, all men's desire will begin to go after it. That's when the book of Isaiah chapter 2 will begin to be fulfilled. When they will, say, they will go and say, come here, let us go into the house of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his law. He will cause us to walk in his path. For out of Zion shall flow forth the law. Why? Because he has been made a praise on the earth. He said, I will make her walls salvation and her gates praise. Are you seeing what I'm trying to say? 
So what is the meaning of a wall salvation? Gate, phrase. Wall and gate, they are together, but they, do, they are opposite. The gate gives entrance. The wall keeps in, saves. It makes it, the wall safeguards, keeps within. The gate causes you to enter. The wall stops you from coming out. Are you getting what I'm saying? I will make her wall salvation. Her gates praise. Are you seeing what I'm saying? So, so the gate, the entrance is praise. Anything that you will not enter into anything until the praise of that thing comes into your heart. The highest praise is what Psalm 149 called the high praises of God. Let the saints be joyous and glory. Let them sing aloud on their beds. It doubles the edges sword in their hand. The high praises of God on their lips. To execute the judgment written. Praise God. They're talking about the realm of judgment. That without God, nobody can come into that realm of God without that thing called the high praises of God that will be where on their lips. Are you, are you seeing the sense of praise? Are you getting a sense? Do you understand what I'm trying to say now? You get it? Are you sure? Amen. <laughs> praise God. So, so you see what praise means, right? So when he says that in the midst of the church will I sing praise unto thee, he's not talking about that place in the midst of the church is actually a congregation for entrance. So the praise for where they want to enter must what? Arise. And, and where would that praise come from? Who can sing the praise that need to be sung among the company of the brethren? Is the captain. The captain knows the praise. He knows the song. So we're talking about this foundation or the understanding. It is talking about the, the establishment of the inward character and characteristic for what? Entrance. So the, so the purpose of the created truth is no soul can sing this praise without truth. The inside. So what is the, what is the, what is the, the praise that they are singing of? What is the praise that they are singing? Is the praise of where they want to go. Where are they going? They are going to glory. Do you get it? Bringing sons to glory. So they have to sing what you call the praise of the glory. The praise of his glory. Unto the praise of his glory. That we should be to the praise of his glory. Or they call it the praise of the glory of his grace. Are you getting what, where the praise of glory arises from? It's among this company. So candidates of everlasting entrance are souls in whom the praise of glory. What is praise that? They, they will find the appreciation for glory, the taste, for taste, the longing for glory. Is the ministration to brethren. Those who are candidates of entering into the, the realms of the glory, of the glory of God. Praise the Lord. Are we blessed today? We have to stop, stop right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. This praise will begin to arise Amen. in our heart. Truth. 
the more truth is being installed in us, the more our heart is coming into the, the grasp of the truth, you will begin to find that praise because that truth, the message of truth is the message, praise the Lord, of, of the praise of God's glory. Father, we thank you. Glory. Let's just pray. If it's just one minute, just let your heart. I know different things I've said, but just just pray in the spirit. Let let your heart register and connect with with a spiritual blessing. E pamama osia de brahanda riara osu supoto kariana magoria engarela osia na bonde veradosia da magoria ande diara mosia veradosia da ande diara meria la basia eni ala la hala mohuria la hala alma shahara osu me krenta kayara wange Embraya la masa semaron dia, embraya la ocean do meranamai, amra na ya kanon, ikreste mau, i para maturia taria taria la marianturi kasi sekrindo zubra darosha, ishte pata, me kresa tapa ori pazuri anta para basura marawa ori brandega. Ngele ala mashira o sibri ala magri ala bazusu tungre dehai embriela embre na osabri ala baya embra la mandeli elai yeri ala osia ya imbrosharia embra la mashial ingre ala maskesia reanda la bokso sota prata para la mashiondeke. Ingala onre also amra la laige also yero shai ham yamri yero embra hai embra hai ambri hi embra hai embra hai yegha embra hai embra hai oria oria seria embra shas egredoska emenogoradote pa yalaga ta 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 baria ta pasa sapranda la baruno monge. Vasa, 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 vara sepra, opra, apra, lapra, lapra, digi, egelos, grisa, tapara, lavara, lavanduria, apa, papa, e kamba, uri, bara, vasa, lavara, lavanduria, repasus, curia, caria, tacaria, antelia, noria, skepa, edi, helabos. Rembara no se kata ta 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 igere no se zisenta erienduri alabasuria ifrata elbata parabata parabata egaralando grisisisu tuprienos ishtapan. Thank you, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you. Amen. Our Father, we bless you tonight. We give you glory, worship you, worship you. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Lord, these seeds will blossom. They will blossom. They shall be watered by your spirit. It will bring forth fruit. So shall it be. 
So shall it be. For everyone, 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 I pray will bring forth fruit, fruit of this seed. Thank you, my Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Dwells between the cherubim shine forth. You dwells between the cherubim shine forth. You dwells between the cherubim shine forth. You dwells between the cherubim shine forth.